Alright everybody, welcome back to the Morning Track Talk podcast with your host Dave and Dave and we have some important news to cover uh, since the Phillies played an inner squad game today, uh, well, versus the Phillies. And so the way that they did it was they separated the teams uh, white and red. So that's how they did it. Uh, they just, uh, they kind of just split the team up into two and uh, played. It was pretty neat to see and uh, to be able to hear the angelic voice of Tom McCarthy, the guy that uh, really holds everything together in the booth. Uh, and also we had uh, Kevin France in there as well. Uh, Kevin France and also has a podcast. Uh, so might as well listen to that. I believe it's called Pine Tar for Breakfast. Uh, so definitely go check him out. I believe he's on different podcast platforms, including Spotify and others. But uh, Dave, it seems like baseball is finally back. We got that taste of baseball again. And what do you think? How, how was the uh, presentation of the game and uh, the game overall? It was a really good job by the Phillies. It really was. Uh, you saw other teams do it. Um, not all 30 teams. We talked about this um, in one of our podcasts, but I forget which one it was. But, yeah, it, it was it was really good. It was on Instagram. Not Instagram, sorry. It was on YouTube. It was on MLB.com for free, so you could have watched it there. You know, either way. But... My favorite part, Dave, to be honest with you, well, of course, was hearing T-Mac, but also being able to hear Dan Baker, who is the Phillies' longtime press announcer, and um, the sound of Philadelphia, uh, which is a song that the Phillies used prior to all their games. That kind of like, you know, then they get ready for the lineup. Stan Baker did a really good job with that, as he always does. Um, but kind of getting back to what we were talking about with uh, the the two teams, and it was kind of weird because when Dan Baker first announced it and when Tom McCarthy first announced it, they announced it as the blue was playing the red. <laughs> the, yeah, I was a little confused when I heard that myself. Yeah, there was no blue uniforms. They were talking about how the, they wanted to be called the blue team, but they were not the blue team. <laughs> They were, they were far from it. It was pretty complicated, uh, I'm not going to lie. But it was pretty much the white and the red. That's, that's the way we're going to go after it. But they wanted the white team wanted to be called the blue team, so we'll give them the blue team. But, yeah, it, it was really exciting, and, and for the first time in, in a while, we uh, did have a, a game. And, and I do believe that other games uh, will be on for the rest of the week, too, like uh, in terms of inter-squad Phillies games, so... Yeah, but I guess we'll we'll get into the stats, Dave. Right? We'll we'll talk a little bit about the performances by some of the players. Yeah, let's hop right into it. Uh, starting off with uh, two of the starters going at it tonight: uh, Zach Wheeler and Vince Velasquez. Uh, I guess we could start off with Zach Wheeler. Uh, Dave, take it away. Yeah, so Zach Wheeler was really good. Uh, pitched four innings. That's what they'll give to him in terms of credit. Again, it's not you know against another team, but it was more than that because I believe they had like a 15 pitch minimum where they wanted pitchers to at least throw 15 pitches. And you know, of course, because players due to quarantine and kind of everything clustered into a short amount of time until opening day, you know, so sometimes there was pitchers like Wheeler or Vince Velasquez or other pitchers having to get four or even five outs in an inning because they wanted players to get experience. Uh, but Wheeler did pitch, we'll credit him, four innings, technically four innings plus, uh, but gave up two hits, uh, struck out three batters, and gave up zero earned runs. I will say that his fastball was very good today. Um, it had the electric movement. Unfortunately, they didn't have, you know, like the pitch speed, so you couldn't see what he was clocking in at. 
but Wheeler was was very impressive today uh, for the white team, which is technically the blue team. But uh, yeah, we already talked about that. But seriously, though, Wheeler had a very good outing today, and uh, hopefully he can continue to do so as the Phillies begin to take on uh, some teams uh, in their division and some teams in the AL East. Right. Um, also, a, a little bit of a concern that I wanted to address was, uh, you know, Wheeler and Vince, they both seemed to deal, uh, whether it was the fact that they were just pitching well or whether it was the offense was absolutely dead. Uh, I, I don't know. Is that a concern about the offense? Not really sure. But uh, nevertheless, let's move on to Vince Velasquez uh, pitching for four innings, allowing two hits and striking out six while allowing no earned runs. So uh, something else I also wanted to uh, point out was that Vince seemed like he featured a new look on the changeup. Uh, it looked more like a circle change. It really had some good tail movement to it and uh, just a lot of movement overall. I think it's a quality pitch that uh, Vince is really putting into his repertoire. And uh, I, I don't know if it's exactly um, a, only a changeup that he was featuring tonight, but I, I think there was a sinker as well. I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I know that he nodded Scott up with one inside. Uh, whether it was a changeup or a sinker, it's hard to tell. But both uh, have good tail movement. And the changeup, I know, uh, was really revamped and Vince looked good. Uh, just a couple command issues that I saw with the uh, fastball. So hopefully he can straighten that one out before uh, the regular season starts. But uh, otherwise... Good velocity, good ride to the fastball, and uh, the off-speed pitches look really good today. So uh, I have to say I'm really impressed with Vince's progress over the uh, offseason and uh, what he's done with his pitches because I think it's uh, really going to help him when it comes to the regular season. So, um, Dave, what are your thoughts on Vince yeah. Velasquez? Sorry, buddy. I didn't know if you were done there. Did you read the stats on Vince? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I thought so. I was just making sure here. But yeah, it, I believe it's a cutter. I believe that's what they're calling it, um, it, it is the cutter. Uh, it looked pretty good, like you were saying. You got Scott on a couple, um, you, you know, on a nice pitch. But I just do want to say real quick before we continue on. He backdoored the cutter a lot. Yeah. But I'm talking yeah. about the I'm talking about the changeup that had tail movement tonight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted because I, I, I don't think it was a sinker. I think it was a cutter. I just want to, you know, just in case people don't get confused. But yes. I got your point, and, and I agree with you 100%. But the one thing I wanted to say before we do move on is that all these stats, well, we only have really two stats here with Wheeler and Vince's lines. I did do them, so I'm just putting that out there that, I mean, I, I watched the game. I saw what happened. So if there's anything wrong with them, it's my fault. <laughs> but I think they should be uh, pretty correct. But Vince was very good. I mean, Wheeler had a great day, but just, you know, knowing that Vince is kind of like that fifth starter competing for a role, I mean, I would say he had, you know, a pretty pretty good day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his curveball, there were some times where it would hang a little bit, the changeup would hang a little bit. But for the most part, it, it was a good day out of Vince. But one thing I, I did like was if Vince would make a mistake pitch, it wasn't early on in the count when hitters were looking for certain pitches. You know what I mean? It wasn't on the first pitch of, of an at-bat or a 1-0 or a 2-0 pitch. It was an 0-1 pitch or a 1-1 pitch or a 1-2 pitch. And regardless, when you hang it, it's not good. But, I mean, I'm just saying, You last year we saw a lot of times of first-pitch hangers from Vince that were crushed. You know what I mean? You do have less of a chance 
of, you know, getting absolutely tattooed if you hang something in, let's say, an 01 count. But it, it, it was promising to see Vince, like you were saying, Dave, the changeup looked good, getting Scott. But I, I liked the cutter. I thought the cutter was very good um, by Vince. And, and, and not too many things came over the plate. Like you said, Dave, there were some here and there, but that's expected with Vince. Vince is no uh, Garrett Cole on the mound. But I, I, I like Vince. I, I was very impressed with what he did do tonight. But one last thing, uh, you know, as you were saying, I, I in the beginning of the game, I was a little concerned with the hitting. Um, I mean, now again, you do have to remember that there, it was weird situations. Some pitchers were letting, or some uh, times there would be four or five batters hitting in one inning. That was kind of weird. And, you know, having some other stuff going on, it was weird. Trust me. But this is a new normal and the players have to get used to it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it might've just been good pitching. Like I said, Wheeler and Vince did look pretty good, but the, the hitting was, was for sure a concern early on in the game. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, Vince is pretty good. Yeah, and it seems like um, a lot of our main players, a lot of the primary position players, were the ones who made the noise when it came to uh, the offense. So that's always good to uh, see and good to hear. But uh, I guess that brings us to Scott Kingery with the Apo Taco to right field, uh, something that he might have been working on over the offseason and in spring training, uh, possibly in summer training too. But uh, Scott, he used to pull the ball a lot, especially uh, last year, but seems like he worked on it. And, you know, that's really good, especially since Scott struggled in the second half last year, uh, you know, whether it is fatigue or whether it was a lack of technique offensively. But uh, Scott looked good, and the way that he hit the home run, it looked like he was just going with the pitch, and he wasn't pulling it. So that's definitely good to see, and I think... Uh, it makes Scott a little bit more mature of a hitter when you see him be able to do that. But, uh, yeah, Scott looked okay. I know he did strike out against uh, Vince Velasquez, but, I mean, that'll happen. The uh, changeup was filthy tonight, and like you said, so was the cutter. I, I saw the cutter backdoored a lot, like I said, and uh, a lot of hitters were looking at it. They just stood there looking, and that's, you know... It's definitely what you want to see from a backdoor cutter. But uh, nevertheless, Dave, what do you think about Scott? Yeah, I mean, it was a good hit for for him also to, you know, not have those first couple days due to testing positive for COVID. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it was a good hit. Uh, you know, if anybody didn't see it, it, it wasn't to right field, as Dave said, off of Taco. But um, it, it wasn't, you know, massive. It was it was a wall scraper, but it, it did get out, and, and it was a nice hit by Scott. And, of course, good to see. I believe it was off of Edgar Garcia. I believe that is who gave up the home run there. He did struggle in today. We'll get, well, we might talk about that, depending. But, yeah, Edgar Garcia did struggle today uh, if you did not watch the game. But, overall, good game by Scott, and, and it was nice to see him, you know, uh, hit a home run because, as you know, Dave, he's not, you know, Bryce Harper in terms of power, but it, it was nice to see today. Yeah, maybe he put that uh, that swole muscle on display today. Scotty swole. So, um, yeah, I guess we could uh, close out Scott Kingery right there. And moving on, Dave, uh, tell us a little bit about Trevor Kelly. Yeah, so Trevor Kelly, the side armor, who is very – many people have been saying that, you know, they've been impressed by him. Uh, struck out the side uh, in today's game. I believe he struck out four batters. He did give up a walk. He was a little wild in the beginning of uh, his frame that he did pitch. But I believe he did strike out four batters. So, 
Um, it, it was impressive to, to see Trevor Kelly. Again, he's a side-armer. I believe I was looking at the numbers on Trevor Kelly, and, and I do believe that he, he is a minor league pitcher for most of his career, and, and he's done pretty solid in terms of the minor league numbers, but he really hasn't put those numbers to, to a major league um, performance stat sheet yet. Um, but he's going to play a big part in this Phillies bullpen, I think, because, again, you have to make up for the loss of Sir Anthony Dominguez. Um, that's going to be a big blow to that Phillies bullpen, and you're going to need guys that you know can jump into the bullpen or maybe even to the rotation because of the fact that – I'm not saying Trevor Kelly's going to the rotation. I'm just saying in terms of bullpen pitching overall because you're going to have guys test positive. You're going to have guys get hurt, let's be honest. It's the Phillies, and it's the pitching staff on the Phillies. So uh, Trevor Kelly could really be a big part in helping, you know, the Phillies uh, try to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's 100% correct. And uh, looking at Trevor Kelly, I mean, the comparison that I could really make is a little bit of Edwin Diaz action with that uh, weird delivery. But, uh, you know, it's not totally uh, accurate as they both have their differences. Yeah. But well, Kelly, I don't know. I just feel like his strikeout stuff was really good tonight. And, I, I don't know if a lot of people considered him a strikeout pitcher, but he did great, and, and it's yeah. always good to see. Maybe he's um, maybe he's got good stuff, and he's just riding that out for however long he feels like he has it. But uh, we could really use a guy like him in the bullpen, especially since uh, there were some struggles. Yeah, I mean, he's a side armor too, which which I think is is very important for the Phillies because you know having Pat Neshek when he was healthy with the Phillies, he was as good as anybody. Really, I mean, he was as good as anybody in 2018, when you know when he was pitching for the Phils, and I believe got traded to the Rockies midseason. But he was untouchable. I mean, and I do think that that side armor thing as well. I'm not saying Trevor Kelly is Pat Neshek, but Trevor Kelly has potential there to to be a pitcher like Pat Neshek and be effective. And again, uh, he's not the biggest strikeout guy, even though he did strike out the side. But he, he's going to pitch to contact. Uh, he'll be on. You'll know that he's on when he's getting soft contact on the infield. So that's something to keep an eye out. But Dave, do you want to move on to the next guy we have to talk about? Well, uh, before we do, I just want to say one no. more thing about sure. Trevor Kelly. I saw the at bat uh, against Gene Segura, and that was impressive. You know, when I saw the fact that Gene could not pick up Trevor Kelly, I was like, wow, a great hitter like Gene Segura cannot pick up some farmhander like trevor kelly i don't know i feel like there's something special in that arm i really do so we'll see what happens during the season and uh how he fares but uh yeah nevertheless it'll be interesting but moving on to another guy that we've talked about on the podcast uh quite a while ago actually i think back in march talked about robert stock one of the guys that i really like uh struggles with command a little bit but has really good stuff uh he featured a good fastball tonight with a nice change-up and a really sneaky slider. You never knew when he was going to throw it, but uh, the change-up was something I saw him implement a little bit more. I know uh, he didn't throw it as much last year, I believe, but uh, the fastball, he's known for it. He's known for that velocity, and it really showed tonight. Uh, I don't know what speed he exactly clocked in at uh, at the top, but you know the change-up nevertheless looked really good in terms of stuff, and the slider uh, was down, so... That's always good. I, I think he really does struggle with location, though. I think um, if, if he can get some more pitches where he needs to have them, then he'll be more successful because the stuff's there. The velocity's there. All he needs is to be able to command his pitches a little bit better. And 
you know, you got yourself a legitimate closer. I, I think he can close. You know, if he does have that location, he I don't know, just something about Robert Stock and the dominance that he has. I mean, I'd even take him as a setup guy if he can, you know, get that together. But, uh, Dave, what do you think about Robert Stock and his performance tonight? Yeah, we, we did a whole podcast on Stock, like Dave was saying, um, you know, a couple months ago. But, yeah, Stock, good fastball. Command issues are a problem uh, for him. Um, very much a problem. But I, I do think that, as I said earlier, Dave, Trevor Kelly, Robert Stock, Bud Norris, um, these guys are going to be extremely important if there are injuries or testing positive. Because you have to remember, guys are going to test positive. It's trying to limit the guys that are going to test positive for COVID and trying to limit the amount of damage that it's going to do to your team, the amount of damage that your that your team is going to suffer when trying to make a playoff run. That's what it's it's really about. And Robert Stock is going to be another one of those guys where if somebody in the bullpen goes down to an injury or testing positive, that Robert Stock is, is able to come back and, and, you know, go in. But one other thing that I did want to say that is kind of off of the, uh, you know, notes that we have here, Dave, in terms of our notes, but I was listening to, to T-Mac all night. Uh, of course, uh, it was on the Phillies YouTube and also on MLB.com. And he was saying how Tommy Hunter is going to throw a bullpen tomorrow. So I think that that's going to be another interesting piece of the Phillies bullpen. Um, you know, adding another name there. Of course, Tommy Hunter, I think, is a little bit more uh, better, if you will, than Trevor Kelly and Robert Stock as of right now. But um, I do think that Tommy Hunter will be another one of those guys that you can throw in there along with Robert Stock and Trevor Kelly to come in and try to get outs and try to stop the damage if somebody does get hurt or does test positive. But the Phillies' bullpen is starting to look strong. There are some guys that are going to, to be put in there that are going to do well. You already have Hector Neris. You already have um, Jose Alvarez. You have Adam Morgan. You have Francisco Liriano, who looked good tonight. Um, and, you know, when you can, you know, pair him with, with, with Sir Anthony when he comes back, with David Robertson, hoping that he's able to pitch at least a little bit, um, this season and, and also being able to use Trevor Kelly, Bud Norris, Robert Stock, even Nick Pavetta in the pen if he doesn't make the rotation, Tommy Hunter, um, maybe a little bit of uh, Connor Siebold or Connor Brogdon in the pen. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, getting back to Robert Stock, didn't want to deviate too much from that. Very, it was a pretty good day for him, to be honest. Uh, command issues are there, but very good fastball, as, as you were saying, Dave. Yeah, and um, another pitcher that I wanted to mention was, um, I believe Zach Eflin will be back on the bump tomorrow, which is good news because he was suffering from some uh, lower back tightness, I believe. So uh, that, that'll that be really good. And uh, I believe he was suffering from lower back tightness, and that was according to Todd Zalecki. So uh, yeah, go check him out. But uh, you know, Eflin, I think, is a big piece of this rotation, especially when he's healthy and he can really command his pitches. Uh, Eflin, not a big strikeout guy. He's more of a pitch-to-contact guy. And I think we saw in the beginning of uh, last year the way he was uh, doing pretty well. But I think that um, that way of pitching and trying to strike hitters out with uh, the, the Chris Young method didn't really work for him. And I guess that's when the heaviness uh, of his body started to affect him, but um, 
Eflin seems to have put on some weight and be able to make it through the season. I mean, yeah, we are, we're only going to play 60 games, but, uh, you know, hopefully he can maintain success and be healthy because we do need him in the rotation, especially if Wheeler does decide to opt out. So we'll have to see what happens. It's good news that we have Eflin back and hopefully he can stay healthy, just like a lot of the team. I mean, we've dealt with injuries for so long and it's hard to say who's going to, you know, be injured next or whoever's going to catch COVID-19. So there's this kind of a double-edged sword here. You, you have COVID-19 on one end and you have injuries on the other physically. So yeah, it's, it's really tough, especially for a team like the Phillies who took such a hit last year. But uh, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about that, Dave? No, I mean, I mean, really, I think you summed up a lot of that well, to be honest with you. Oh, I thank you. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess we can move on to uh, Harrison and Harper. Josh Harrison and Bryce Harper, the two H's in the lineup, and they both had doubles. Uh, they did pretty well today, and uh, Bryce Harper, I, I managed to see him. I didn't really see Josh Harrison uh, too much today, but Bryce Harper, I, I saw the double, and it, it was really nice. You know, I didn't exactly think that it was going to go as far as it did off the bat, but uh, he got a pretty good piece of it. Actually, uh, looking back, I'm, I'm going to adjust my perspective on it, and I'm going to say uh, that... I uh, may have underestimated Bryce Harper a little bit in his swing, but um, yeah. Anyway, uh, nevertheless, it was a double, and it, it was sort of in the gap, sort of not. It was like uh, more center field, but uh, Bryce Harper had a good at bat, and he, he usually puts up good at bats. He has a good eye at the plate, so uh, it's good to see from Bryce Harper. Hopefully, he can maintain that uh, when it got, when we get to the regular season, just like a lot of guys, and Josh Harrison uh, it would be cool if we could see him turn up the offense a little bit. I know that he struggled last year, so uh, being able to possibly get a little bit more playing time might actually serve well. So we'll see what happens. And I think, you know, with the COVID-19 stuff and everything that's going on, it's good that the Phillies went out and got a lot of depth because this is going to serve well in a time where we are uncertain of which players we're going to have either tomorrow or in the next week, in the next month. You know, you don't know because this thing could take anyone that it really wants to. So, you know, having that depth is super important, and I'm glad that the Phillies uh, decided to go after some depth, and it really will. It'll benefit us a lot this year, and I believe it will catch us a few more wins and sort of tape up the uh, holes in the lineup a little bit and uh, out on the field or... Uh, whether it's pitching, it's going to help patch up the bullpen for a uh, temporary time. But uh, like I said, I just think it was really smart for the Phillies to go out and uh, get that type of depth that we really needed because, let's face it, last year we knew that uh, we didn't really have the pieces that we needed to be able to patch up those holes, whether it was in the bullpen or the lineup, especially with Andrew McCutcheon. And knowing that he was injured back in June versus the Padres. But uh, the Phillies seem a little bit more set. They're a little bit more ready this year. And I saw a draft neck Mark uh, saying that the Mets will win the World Series. Uh, buddy, I don't know how you feel about this, but I really disagree. I disagree to the fullest extent, okay? 
Because first of all, the Mets, they're not going to beat the Dodgers. They're just not. Okay? And it's going to be really difficult for any team to be able to beat the Dodgers. And uh, bad enough, they're going to have to face the Braves. You know, the Braves are another team that uh, brought in some significant guys. And uh, Dave, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about this on the pod, but uh, Yasiel Puig ended up signing with the Atlanta Braves. And that kind of surprised me because they already went out and they got Marcelo Zuna. So, yeah, Dave, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much um, just for the purpose of not making this super long. But, yeah, I mean, they, the Braves needed to replace Marcakis to get Puig. But I do think that we should do a playoff slash World Series prediction video. Or not video, I give us a video. Podcast um, and talking about our opinions. Because we did do a Power Rankings podcast. Go check that out. Uh, but I think that we do need to do a playoff podcast prior to the 24th. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you with uh, the Braves making a lot of moves. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's really my take on Puig. He's going he's gonna to bring some fire to that Braves lineup and, and probably torture the Phillies. But who knows? <laughs> yeah, I know. Puig's been uh, pretty inconsistent when it comes to the numbers and stuff like that. I mean, when he first came up with the Dodgers, he was super-duper uh, good at hitting for some reason, and then he just kind of fell off. But uh, hopefully he, he can... Uh, get back to doing what he was doing for the sake of the Braves, but for the sake of the Phillies, uh, you know, he can he can go and uh, get into the biggest slump he possibly can. But anyway, uh, yeah, I just wanted to close uh, that statement basically uh, saying that draft neck mark, uh, there's probably a 28 30% chance that the Mets actually make the World Series. And to win it, uh, chances probably slim out even more. But, yeah, you're going to have to make it past teams like the Braves, teams like the Dodgers, you know, and different teams like that. So I I just don't – I don't see the possibility really rising. Dave, I don't know about that one. 30% chance of the Mets making the World Series, Dave? That's pretty high, Bill. That's pretty high. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, but there's a 70% chance that they're not. And, I mean, yeah, the high. Mets, they're a team comparable to the Phillies. I mean, would you say that the Phillies have a 30% chance of making the World Series? Uh, I don't I don't think the Phillies or the Mets have a 30% chance to make the World Series, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I that's your opinion. I mean, based on the stats, I saw the stats. Uh, I believe it was from MLB uh, this past week, and uh, they threw out some percentages. But uh, I'm just going off of what I think. You know, I'm not totally going off of, you know, what MLB said by any means. This is sort of just things that I'm thinking about. Of course, if I looked at the rosters a little bit, I would have a better idea of a percentage but that's that's where I would sit, and that's my opinion. But I respect it, Dave. I respect the fact that you don't think our Phillies will be successful, but that's fine. No, that's not what I said. I don't think that the Mets or the Phillies have a thir- – I mean, a 30% chance is pretty high because 30% chance is not – you know, 30% chance is in comparison to 100% of the other teams that can make the World Series. And the Dodgers and the Braves, I mean, let's be honest, on paper that they have better teams than the Mets and the Phillies. But 
I don't want to go on too long. Uh, again, we will probably make a podcast on that. But the last note we'll end it on before we wrap up is according to Craig Mish on Twitter. He's uh, does the Marlins podcast. He's a Marlins writer. Um, Sandy uh, Alcantara or Alcantara. I don't. I think they pronounce it Alcantara. But uh, Sandy Alcantara will be the opening day starter for the Miami Marlins against the Philadelphia Phillies um, on July 24th. Um, Sandy, of course, was the only Marlins all-star last year, um, and he will be making uh, his opening day start on the 24th, as long as all things go well. And we are just 10 days away from opening day baseball, and we're just a couple days away from the Phillies actually facing another team in scrimmage action so lots of baseball coming to you i know that we kind of hopped around in this podcast so when you guys are going to be seeing this podcast it will be on wednesday well probably you guys will be listening to it on wednesday uh, but last night was the day we're was the game we're talking about tuesday july 14th but yeah so uh, a couple days away from baseball a couple days away from the phillies playing other teams and we'll of course do daily recap well not daily but um, we're still going to do Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, you know, we may do bonuses here and there, and if things get really interesting, might post a video on weekends or something like I said, a bonus. But we are still going to stick to our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday schedule. We think it, we think it's been working out pretty well. Uh, but that's pretty much all I got to say. Thank you to the healthcare and the frontline workers as always. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure to share this podcast with your friends. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Anchor. You name a podcast platform, chances are we're probably on it. Um, and thank you guys so much once again for listening. Go check out Dave's Instagram and YouTube channel, Major League Talk, for constant baseball content. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening once again. said that like three times, but it's the truth. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for all the support, and stay safe, everyone. Yeah, and um, I would like to thank the uh, frontline workers and uh, everyone in between whether it's the people that support the Warning Track Talk podcast or uh, anyone that is in the workforce and uh, keeping us all going in this uh, working community. But uh, thank you all for listening to the Warning Track Talk podcast. If you like the material that we put out, then make sure to leave a follow and listen to some previous podcasts or some uh, future ones when they come out. But um, overall, thank you for listening once again. And this has been the Warning Track Talk podcast with your host, Dave and Dave.